right. Hold. You can go. I, I said almost said hold on to that card. That was that was what we used to do when we had paper cards. We don't have paper cards anymore. Now we have fancy digital cards, which you can now hit send as soon as you're done uh, filling out that connection card. You can go ahead and hit sign and send. Oh, good job. All right. All right. We're we're up and running here. Um, hey. So uh, my name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you I haven't met before. Uh, so glad that you're with us. want to say hello to everyone who's joining us on the live stream uh, on Vimeo. I hope that you found us, you found us on Vimeo. Uh, this is the third week of God in Film. We've got one more week left. Next week, I'm going to be doing the movie The Farewell, which is a beautiful movie. Highly recommend that you watch. Very good. Um, I think it's going to work as a Mother's Day movie because it's about a matriarch of a family and it's about family and all this, but it's one of those things I hope it's going to work as a Mother's Day thing. That's not like a ringing endorsement, is it? But but when it comes to God and film, it's like I get an idea in my head and it's like, all right, is this really, is this going to land? Is this going to work? I think it will. I definitely, actually, I'm pretty confident. Um, today, was a little bit of a challenge, uh, taking a little bit of a little bit of a risk. Uh, the The Invisible Man uh, is it's kind of an intense movie. I hope that you guys know. Listen, when we do these movies, like we let you know, some of them might be a little violent, might have some things you shouldn't necessarily gather all the kids in the popcorn and, and watch it for all of them. Uh, the Invisible Man is is like that because it's a. It, I wouldn't say it's a horror movie, but it's definitely a thriller. It's definitely it's got a lot of jump scares. You know, jump scares are when something jumps out of you. You kind of you know jump out of your seat. Uh, but I want to tell you, listen, I'm going to be showing uh, a couple scenes from this, and and the first two that I'm going to show are kind of intense, right? It's like it's like the music is intense, the atmosphere is intense, everything's intense. I want to let you know you can relax, all right? You don't have to watch this like all nervous. Nothing's going to jump out at you because I removed all the jump scares, okay? They're out of it. So you can just relax and be like, okay, they're playing the music, they're trying to manipulate me, but I know Pastor Phil made sure that I'm not going to be scared because nothing's going to jump out at me, all right? Um, so listen, so, so when I watch this movie, I said to my wife, I watched it with her, actually, I, I wasn't really on my radar screen, but then at the end of 2020, uh, I, I, I was reading some articles about like top 10 movies of 2020, and this movie was showing up on a lot of the lists, which kind of surprised me. So I was like, oh, let's check it out. So, so me and my wife, Norman, I think my daughter, Maggie, watched it. And after it was done, I had to like dig into the couch and find Norma. She was hiding under all the pillows. But uh, I said to her, I said, I think this could really work as a, as a God in film to talk about spiritual warfare. So that's what I want to do. I want to I talk about spiritual warfare today. The reality of spiritual warfare, and I think it's very important for us to understand the reality of spiritual warfare. Like, that's something we need to understand in our life. Now, there's this, this very uh, interesting account in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter, chapter 6. It involves Elisha the prophet. And Elisha was counseling the king of Israel, because they were in a war with Aram, and so the king of Aram would meet with all of his generals, and they would come up with, like, ways that they were going to attack Israel. But God would show Elisha, like, what they were talking about behind closed doors. And so he'd go to the king of Israel and be like, hey, here's what they're going to do on Tuesday, and, you know, be ready for it. And so nothing would work out. And so the king of Aram got upset. I guess he got word that Elisha was doing this. And so he shows up with his entire army to kill Elisha. So, so Elisha stops doing this annoying thing. And so Elisha's servant Gehazi sees this like whole army just like surrounding the town. And he's like, we're toast. We're done. Uh, it says this, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. And by the way, I do have a, uh, a study guide for you on the app if you want to open up the app and follow along. It says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so I just love that where Elisha says, open his eyes. And he, once his eyes were opened, he was able to see the reality of spiritual warfare. In this particular case, he was able to see that there was an angelic host that was going to protect him, that he didn't need to be afraid. And what ends up happening is that the angels strike the army blind, and so, so uh, Elisha and Gehazi are able to get away and prophesy, live, live to prophesy another day. Uh, but, but that thing about open up our eyes, we need to have our eyes opened up. If we're going to understand the world that we live in, 
We're going to understand things that go on in our family, things that go on all around us. We need to know the reality of spiritual warfare. The Bible says that there are a lot of things that are affected by unseen malevolent spiritual forces. Then, then we realize we need to, we need to understand um, we need, to, we need to understand that things like wars, you know, we've, the history of humanity has been filled with horrific, terrible, terrible wars, that, that what's behind these wars is the destruction of, of spiritual warfare, uh, violence, racist attacks. You know, we've been dealing with, with the uptick in, in violence against people who are part of the AAPI or Asian American Pacific Island community. They're, they're spiritual warfare. There are demons that are behind that, that are, that are behind elderly people being attacked. Uh, addictions, greed, right? When the wealthy is oppressing the poor, uh, injustice, hatred, illnesses, right? Not all illnesses, but some illnesses, according to the Bible. Some illnesses are the result of spiritual warfare. Some natural disasters are the result of spiritual warfare. These powers and principalities that are at work. Now, I am not saying that everything that goes that is negative in your life or difficult in your life is because of a demon, right? I'm not saying that if you come home and your dog growls at you, you say, "My dog has a demon." Uh, I'm not saying that if you run out of gas that you like bind the demon of Exxon or, you know, no, you just got to like plan out a little bit better and monitor your, you know, your fuel gauge. But, but we do need to be aware. You know, there are some things that the Bible really communicates, like make sure that we understand. And the reality of spiritual warfare, Old Testament and New Testament, the Bible goes out of its way to make sure we understand that there's a spiritual war that's going on around us. It says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. The Apostle Paul, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You need to be aware of the reality of spiritual warfare so you can take your stand. Right? You've got to fight against it. You've got to know how to do it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... Now, I believe that we all have personal days of evil. Days that, like, the enemy has circled on a calendar and been like, all right, you're worshiping God, you're loving Jesus. All right, I'm going to wait. I'm patient. And he circles the calendar. He's like, you're going to have your day of evil. And when that day of evil comes, you need to know how to stand. Stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. All right? So we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And so this movie is about this woman named Cecilia Cass. She's played by Elizabeth Moss, who's a brilliant actress. And, and, uh, and so she is involved in a relationship with this guy named Adrian. And Adrian is kind of a monster. He's a wealthy monster. He's a powerful monster, but he is a monster. And, uh, and he is manipulating her. He is controlling her, you know, and she knows she's got to get out of this. So she plots her escape. And, uh, and so she drugs him one night and so he won't wake up while she's trying to get out. She has to disarm the security system. She has stuff, you know, stashed. She's kind of ready. She's got her sister coming to pick her up. And again, it's very intense, but, uh, but I want you to know nothing is going to jump out, all right? Nothing, no one needs to be afraid. Nothing's going to jump out. I'm sorry, it looks like we're having trouble with the middle screen. So hopefully you'll be able to see the side screens or the TVs. Those of you at home, not an issue at all, all right? So let's go ahead, let's watch the first clip.
All right, so listen, I told you, I took out the jump scare, so right after, like, like half a second after we're at cut, Adrian runs up against the window, and it's one of those, like, jump scares. I even took out, like, the dog surprise there. I took that out. I left when she kicked the dog bowl, because I thought you guys could handle that, you know? I did hear some gasps, and I was like, maybe I should have taken that out, too. But just trust me, we're going to be okay. Now, um, now, the reality, the first point that I want to make about spiritual warfare, and I'm going to try to tie it all into this, you know, these, these scenes here. The first point that I want to make is that the devil is real. See, we need to understand that the devil is real. And actually, what the Bible says in places like 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So actually, what that says is that we are all held prisoners. Right? Just like Cecilia's held prisoner in that house and she's got to escape. We're prisoners and we need to escape. And so if, if, if someone does not see Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus, what the Bible says is it's because Satan has blinded their eyes so they can't see the reality of the light of Christ. It says in Colossians 1.13, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. See, we were in the dominion of darkness. And we needed to be rescued. We needed to be set free. And Jesus came and, you know, we were prisoners of war. We were blinded. We were held hostage. We needed to escape. We needed to be set free. Jesus came and he kicked the door down and he rescued us, right? We need to understand that, that we were under the oppression of the devil. If you're going to understand life, if you're going to understand some of the things that affect your family, some of the things that affect you, some of the things that affect your, your church and your world, you need to know that the devil is real. You need to know he's, the devil is not just the projected, like, unconscious, subconscious of humanity. He's not a symbol, right? He's, he's not, uh, he's not some, some negative, like, force. He's real. He's a person. The Bible actually talks about three angels in the Bible. Mentions by name three different angels. So what I want to do, I want to give you a little bit of a, ba a little bit of background about what the Bible says about the devil, what the Bible says about spiritual warfare. This could be a whole series. I remember years ago I did a series on spiritual warfare. Might not be a bad idea to uh, revisit that. I'm, I'm going to be trying to like pack a lot into this sermon. So make sure if you have kids in kids' church that you, that you thank the kids' church teacher when you pick up their kid. But there are three angels who are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, there's Michael and Gabriel, and then there's Lucifer. And so according to two of the major prophets, uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel, and Jesus, and John the Apostle, there was a cosmic event. There's something that happened at some point in the past where Lucifer, who we think was an archangel, decided that he didn't want to worship God anymore. He wanted his throne to be above God's throne. And so that actually, in, in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, it talks about this coup attempt, this rebellion, 
where Satan tried to rise up against God. Jesus, when he's, he's talking to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, referring back to this event, he says that he saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. So we, like he, he, you know, back in the day, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth out of heaven. And then John the Apostle, he got a glimpse when he, in the book of Revelation, he's getting like all of these things revealed to him. And he too saw back to that moment, this cosmic moment. It says in uh, Revelation 12, verse 7, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, the dragon being the devil, but he was not strong enough. That's good news, right? Somebody can say amen to that. The devil was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, now notice that he was hurled to the earth. Okay, now why was he? I don't know, you know, like, but that's what the Bible says. He was hurled to the earth. And when the Bible talks about Satan's level of involvement in the things that go on in this world, it's surprising how much, basically, how much power and authority the Bible gives to Satan when it comes to things that are happening in this world, right? Remember, I mentioned that passage in Corinthians where he's called the God of this age, Right? He's the God of this age. Remember when Jesus was having his temptations? And, uh, and the third temptation was Satan said to Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do it the hard way. I'll just give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus' response wasn't, what are you talking about, Satan? They're not yours to give. Apparently they were his to give. Jesus said, worship the Lord. You know, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so some other verses, it says in John 12, 31, it says, now is the, Jesus said, now is the time for judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So the prince, the ruler of this world, Satan's called the ruler of this world. Ephesians 2, 2 says, which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so Satan and his kingdom, right, they are called the ruler of the air, which means like the unseen heavenly realm kind of all around us. He is the ruler of that, and he is the one who is at work in those who are disobedient, which is why we talk about the wars and injustice and all the things that have gone on, things like the Holocaust, things that have gone on in the world. He's the one who's involved in that. First John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And so the, it's very surprising. The way the Bible talks about like the reality of the devil and how he works and moves in the world, something to pay attention to. Now, the second point that I want us to know, and listen, I'm not trying to freak us out. I'm just trying to teach us the truth. I'm actually, what I'm trying to do is I want to equip you. I'm gonna, we're going to get to some of the ways that we can fight back, some of the ways that we can stand. But first, we've got to know what it is we're up against. And, and the reality is the devil has power and is at war with us. And so now what happens in this movie is that Cecilia, uh, she escapes. She gets away. Her sister comes and picks her up. And, uh, and so she's hiding out at, I think it's Cecilia's boyfriend's house. And he's a cop. He's a good guy. But she's really paranoid. She's so afraid that Adrian's going to find her because he's powerful and he's wealthy and all that. But, uh, uh, and then she finds out, after she's there, she finds out two weeks after she escapes that Adrian killed himself. So he's like a famous kind of, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates type of person. So, so it's written about in the paper that he killed himself. And, uh, and so she breathes a sigh of relief, but he actually didn't kill himself. He just staged his death. And he was an optics engineer, so he developed a suit that makes him invisible. So what he starts doing is he starts messing with Cecilia. And so this, this first scene is where you see him beginning the process of messing with her. She's alone in the house, and he sneaks into the house, and he's there, and he's present. So let's, uh, let's watch this next clip.
James. <laughs> All right, so this was the scene that I was watching. I was like, ooh, this could totally work for a message about spiritual warfare. Because, listen, everybody knows this experience. It is, I believe that every human being, right, we talk about the presence of God and we love to celebrate, we feel the presence of God, but there's a flip side to that. I, almost everybody that I know, whether, you know, maybe sometimes people won't admit it, but have felt like the presence of evil. People have said, like, there's something in my house, you know, or, or, or maybe you, like, wake up in the middle of the night and, you're, like, the hair in the back of your neck is up, or you had, like, a nightmare, and you're like, that wasn't just my subconscious working something out. I mean, there's, something's going on here. Or maybe you felt like there was, like, spiritual oppression that you were dealing with. There were times, I'm sure, in your life where you have felt the reality of this. I think a lot of times people will be like, well, I can't be. I must just be I, the pizza I had last night or something else. But it's like we know that there's unseen spiritual forces and we interact with them and we have that feeling. I, I love that scene where you see his breath. And you guys, do we trust each other now? Nothing jumped out. Nothing was scary. It was a little intense, but it wasn't, wasn't too bad. You know, I remember years ago when I bought my house uh, in Fairline. It was an old house. 
And the realtor, the realtor, she was a funny lady. I can tell you, I can tell you stories about my realtor. But, um, but uh, she was telling me about the family that lived there before us. And it had been, the house had been in the family for multiple generations, and they'd moved up to Oakland or, or somewhere up north. And, uh, and, and so the, the matriarch, the grandmother, was still living there, being cared for by, like, their 20-year-old granddaughter, who, like, the realtor told me was a very troubled woman. I don't know why she was telling me that she was a troubled woman, but she was telling me this. And so anyway, so we buy the house, and it needed to do a lot of work. And so I got this guy to sheetrock the upstairs. And he went to uh, Calvary Temple, which is a Christian, went to Calvary Temple, which is a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church in Wayne. And so he's someone who's familiar with, like, the reality of spiritual warfare. And so I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and he's working in the upstairs, like, sheetrocking the hole upstairs. And all of a sudden he comes down, and he says, Pastor, you need to, you need to come upstairs. So I follow him upstairs, and he brings me into one of the bedrooms, and he's like, there's an evil presence in this room. And, uh, and I'm like, really? I haven't, this he's like, no, absolutely. There's something in this room. And I'm like, in, in other rooms or just this, like just this one. And I'm like, can you finish the sheet rocking? Or is this like, is this a, is this a deal breaker? Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, so later that night, I was like kind of sniffing around, right? And I went and there was this like crawl space in the, in that room, like a, like a little like half closet. And so, so I shine a flashlight in there and sure if this was the room that this girl had lived in and there were these, all these folded up pieces of paper. So she was into witchcraft. And so there were all these spells and things that were written and like put in the wall. And, uh, and so my sheetrocker discerned that, you know. And, and so like I think the next night I had a life group that was meeting in my church, a small, or my house rather. And so they all came over and I'm like, okay guys, we're taking a field trip. We're going upstairs. We're going up to, going up to that bedroom. We're going to pray. We're going to drive out whatever's there. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any issues after that. So that was a good thing. I'll talk to you a little bit later about how you do that. But I've, I've actually had a lot of experience engaging in spiritual warfare. I've been involved more, more than I, I ever thought I would be. I mean, I've, I've seen things. I've seen things that are like, this is like either like out of the Bible or out of the latest Conjuring movie. Uh, I've, I've ex- experienced a lot of times where I prayed for people to be set free from demonic bond, bondage and have seen some dramatic things. And so through the years, whenever I've talked about this in a sermon, I get emails. I get emails. And I'm sure I'm probably going to get some emails this week. And the emails are, Pastor, I've never told anyone about this before because people would have thought I was crazy. Like, I get that all the time. People who've had experiences, experiences with darkness, experience with spiritual warfare, but they just think, if I tell people, people are going to think I'm nuts. But we shouldn't be surprised, right? We shouldn't be surprised that there's a struggle because the Bible, like, they could, it couldn't be clearer to let us know there's a spiritual war that's going on. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 says, Be alert and, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Right? Be alert. Be aware. Be awake. You know, Matthew 4.13, after the devil had tempted Jesus, it says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, I like that phrase, all the tempting, he did all the tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So he's like, all right, all right, Jesus, you win this round, I'll be back. And I think that's what the enemy does with us. I actually think that there are times you might be at a part in your life right now where you're worshiping Jesus and everything's good and Satan's like, all right, all right, you'll, I see your, things are good now, but I'm going to wait for an opportune time. I'm going to circle the calendar and I'm going to bring like a, all the pots to boil on the stove at the same time. And that's going to, you know, maybe that's what it says when the day of evil comes, you need to be able to stand. Maybe that's the day of evil. Maybe that's what Jesus was talking about in Luke 22:31 when he said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, you know, so, so that your faith may not fail. And so we need to be aware of the reality of spiritual warfare, but we also need to be aware that we have been given weapons. We have weapons that we can use. I don't want to just kind of give you this message and make you freak out and be like, well, Phil, I had enough to worry about. Now i got to worry about this. Uh, no, we actually, there are weapons that we have. And we need to understand. We need to understand the reality so that we can stand. Remember it says in James, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say that the devil will just automatically flee from you. It says we need to resist the devil 
And I want to teach you some basic ways that we can resist the devil. Let me show you one more clip. So what ends up happening, I, won't, I don't have to exegete this whole movie, but it uh, goes from bad to worse. You know, Adrian's kind of gaslighting of Cecilia gets really bad. Eventually, he kills her sister in a public place and makes it look like uh, Cecilia did it. So she's saying, it's Adrian, it's Adrian, I know it's him. And, uh, and, and so she ends up in a, in a mental hospital. But she's actually pregnant because he had like swapped out her birth control and so she's pregnant so he's not going to like you know let her go and so he goes into the there's a whole scene in the in the psychiatric hospital she ends up escaping won't get into all the details of it turns out like he has this story that you know he didn't actually he didn't actually die his brother was holding him hostage and you don't need to know the details but what what's important is that she understands that she needs to confront Adrian Right? She needs to resist him. She needs to confront him. So let's watch this last scene. Tell you him a little bit. Looks like he was a victim of his brother, just like you were. No. No, James. That's not right. Adrian did this to me. He is not the was tied up in his basement. If he faked his own death, he could fake his own kidnapping. We have Tom's body laying in my living room, wearing some sort of suit that you shot to pieces. If it did work, it doesn't now. But, but we have a whole bunch of corroborative witnesses from the psychiatric hospital when it comes to seeing something strange. Look, this is your best case scenario for getting your freedom back, okay? No. I know Tom's body is in your living room. Yeah. Adrian did everything before that, though. He set his own brother up. I know how this works, see? I know. You don't understand. No, you don't understand. This is what he does. He makes me feel like I'm the crazy one. This is... This is what he does. And he's doing it again. Okay, okay, but listen, I need you to keep that to yourself and let me do my job, okay? Just let me help you. Yeah, but as long as Adrian's around, you can't help me. Amazing. I mean, you, you always, you always look amazing. I don't feel amazing. It's all a lie. Please, come on in. It's cold, come on. If you want to be a part of child's life. It has to start with honesty. Which means I need you to admit everything that you did. That it was you. All right. Now, um, as you can see, she stands up to him. 
She also has like an extra invisibility suit and uses it to kind of make sure that he never bothers her again. That's, that's where the analogy kind of breaks down a little bit, but, uh, but you get the idea. So I want to I leave you here with three weapons that we have. Now, there's a lot of weapons. Again, I could do like, and I probably will at some point next year, do like a, do like a long series on spiritual warfare. Um, but there are three weapons that I want you to know how to use that you can start using today where we can resist, where we can, where we can make our stand. And the first is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the first weapon I want to make sure you know how to use is the name of Jesus. Now, names are powerful. Right? If you go to the doctor tomorrow and cancer gets named, that's like power. There's power in that name. Right? Death is a powerful name. Addiction, depression, they are powerful names. But I have good news for us. See, Jesus is exalted to the highest place, and he has been given the name that is above every name. And we have been given, as followers of Jesus, we have been given authority to use the name of Jesus. And there is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. As I've taught about this through the years, the best example for us to understand how this works is the example of a traffic cop. Right, so you have a traffic cop and she needs to stop a two pound, a two ton bus. I don't know, two ton, three tons, I don't know, a big bus. And so she walks out into the middle of the street and she holds up her hand and the bus stops. Now, obviously, she doesn't have enough power to stop the bus. She may not even have a gun, but the bus stops because she has this thing called a badge. And that badge gives her authority. And so she has the state behind her. And so if he doesn't stop, if the bus driver doesn't stop, he's in trouble with, he's in trouble with the state. So he's going to stop because she's using her authority. And so we have been given permission to use the mighty name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, there is nothing in the universe there. I'm including like nuclear energy. There is nothing in the universe that is as powerful as the name of Jesus. I have seen through the years, I have seen, I've had the privilege of seeing In a lot of these deliverances that I've done, experiences that I've had with spiritual warfare, I've seen people who have had demons oppressing them and living inside of them for for years. Sometimes like since they were like for generations that don't want to leave, but they have to leave because of the authority, because of the power of the name of Jesus. I remember years ago, there was this woman who uh, lived in New York City and she was an opera singer and she was not a Christian by any means. She... um, uh, she actually had been very involved in like this like dark kind of esoteric spirituality, and she got thoroughly demonized. I mean, really bad. I mean, when she you know she was desperate, she went to uh, sham- shamans, shamans, shamans. I don't know how you say that. Shamans in New York City, New Age gurus, you know, New Age therapists. She was like given a lot of money because it was just getting worse and worse and worse. When she called me, she was desperate. I don't even know how she how she heard about me, but she calls me, and the moment I start talking to her, she started manifesting, which means the demon started appearing, and uh, and she and she's like, oh, they don't like you, and I'm like, okay, good. I don't like them. Um, and, uh, and, and so anyway, so I mean, it had gotten so bad for this woman that like she was an opera singer, but she couldn't audition because she was constantly trying to like keep the guttural noises and the, and the ticks and all these behaviors at bay. And she was losing. It was really getting harder. So she shows up in my office. And so I'm with my, my youth pastor at the time, this guy named Evan. And so we proceeded to cast out a whole bunch of demons out of her. Like, they came out. It was, like, biblical. It was, you know, I mean, it, it happened. And uh, we, we, she prayed to, to accept Jesus, to give her life to Jesus. And, and, uh, and so she'd taken a bus out to our church. And so I, I, Evan, Evan and I drove her back to the city. And I'll never forget what she said as we were driving back. She said, uh, she said you know, I have been around people who claim to have spiritual power. I've tried to get help from people who claim. I've given a lot of money to people who claim to have spiritual power. But I've never met anyone who actually had spiritual power until I met you. And so what I said to her is, I said, I don't have any spiritual power. But what I do know 
is I know how to use the mighty name of Jesus. And Jesus has the power. And Jesus has the authority. And we are given the invitation. We are able to use the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus that is above every other name. And according to that passage in Philippians, I might start preaching right now. According to that passage in Philippians, it is the name that is above. You can use it in heaven. You can use it on earth. You can use it under the earth. Because Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And so maybe you might say, Pastor, how do I use the name? Just call on the name of the Lord. It says in Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's true when you come to faith, but keep calling on the name of the Lord. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel there's an evil presence that's there, call on the name. If you are dealing with another name, the name of cancer or the name of disease or the name of depression, get the help that you need. Go to the doctors and get prayer, but call on the name. If there's someone in your life that you think is under the oppression of of spiritual bondage or if you feel like you're under the oppression of spiritual bondage, call on the name that is above every name. We need to learn how to use the mighty name of Jesus. We need to use it. We need to pray it. We need to declare it. We need to stand on it. We need to know, like that song that we sing, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And so use the name of Jesus. The second second thing, and I'll try to go quick here, the Word of God. The Word of God, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirits, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Bible is alive. The Bible is active. The Bible is powerful. And it says in Ephesians chapter 6, when it talks about the armor of God, I won't read the whole thing, but it tells you the armor that you should put on. And if you'll notice, most of it is defensive, right? It's a helmet, it's a shield, it's a breastplate. There's only one offensive part of the armor of God, and that's at the very end where it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I want you to know the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to read it so that you can know the truth. I want you to read it so you can, you know, get the warm fuzzies and, you know, know that Jesus loves you and, you know, all that. That's really good. That's important. But you also need to know the Word of God so you can use it as a weapon. You also need to know the the Bible so you can stand. Because that's what Jesus modeled for us, right? In Matthew chapter 4, when he underwent this temptation from the devil himself, when the devil said, turn the, turn the stone into bread, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Throw yourself down from the temple. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. It is written, worship and serve the Lord your God only. We need to learn when we're standing, when we're declaring, when we're fighting, we need to learn how to say it is written. We need to actually get to the point where we're comfortable doing these verses in the first person. So for example, what I mean by that, Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So you need to declare when you need to do it, I have been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. When the enemy's trying to intimidate you, Making, trying to make you feel like you don't have what it takes and you're just a victim and you're just going to get rolled over. You need to say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I am strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. From the Lord comes deliverance. His blessings are on me. What shall I say then if God is for me? Who shall be against me? No weapon formed against me will prosper. And so we need to know the Word of God so we can declare it. Use it as a weapon. The third is this, the power of the cross. The power of the cross. Now the cross, there was a lot that was going on at the cross, right? We talk about it mostly as the way that we're able to have forgiveness of our sins, that the kingdom of heaven is opened up, and that certainly is true. But there was a lot more that was going on at the cross. Uh, Actually, the cross is where Jesus once and for all defeated Satan. The theologians call it the Christus Victor aspect of the cross. Now, now in the Apostles' Creed, it talks about Jesus, you know, he died on the cross, and then he descended into hell. Do you ever wonder why he descended into hell? What was that about? Bible actually, I think, gives us some clues. And, and so it says, you know, in, in a verse in Ephesians, it talks about him descending into the lower regions, descending, in, you know, descending into hell. And then it talks about in Colossians, It talks about Jesus. It says he disarmed the powers and authorities, making a public spectacle, triumphing over them at the cross. 
And so I think, and I'm not alone in this, lots of, you know, theologians, uh, Bible scholars, Christians believe this, that, that the reason that Satan has so much power on the earth, prince of the world, god of this age, is because, you know, Adam was given authority. But when Adam fell, when Adam sinned, that authority somehow went to Satan, that Satan had that authority. And so I think that what happened when Jesus died on the cross, the second Adam, that's what the Bible calls him, went down to hell, and he said to Satan, now, now a lot of times authority in the Bible is symbolized by keys. And so I think that Jesus, you know, because Satan thought that he got the victory. He thought, I killed Jesus. Ha <laughs> that worked out well. But Jesus went down to hell and he said, Satan, give me the keys. Give me the keys. Hand them over. And Satan handed over the keys, handed over the authority. And that's where I think Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers. Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever, and I hold the keys. I have the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus at the cross, we need to know that whatever warfare, whatever battle we're engaging in, we are engaging from a place of victory. That Jesus has won the war. That Satan is a tiger, a lion, but he's a paper tiger. He's been stripped of authority. And listen, if you will use the name of Jesus, if you'll stand on the Word of God, but there's actually one other thing that I want, I want to leave you with today that I think is really powerful and you need to know, and it's connected to understanding the cross. I feel like I've been giving you all the Bible verses. This is the last one. Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Right? So we triumph by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Right? Jesus snatched the, the keys out of Satan's hands, but we need to declare our testimony. See, we need to declare our testimony. Our testimony is actually warfare. Our testimony, our confession, our declaration is a powerful thing. And so we need, and notice how it connects the, 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 the cross, the blood of Jesus, and the word of our testimony. So you need to declare your testimony. You need to declare it to yourself. You need to declare it to others. You'll notice that some of the most powerful worship songs that we sing are ones where we are together declaring our testimony, right? It's powerful. We need to declare our testimony to any principalities and powers that might be watching, that might be listening. And so what I want to do is I just want to take a moment. I want to declare my testimony. I want to declare my testimony, what Jesus has done for me. Because, see, I was, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I, now I see. I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner. I was this confused 17-year-old kid. And Jesus came and he kicked down the door and he rescued me. And he put my feet on a rock. He put my feet on a rock and he gave me hope and he gave me purpose and he gave me redemption and he gave me forgiveness and he put his love in my heart and I have gone through all sorts of things through the years but Jesus not once, he has never left me, he has never forsaken me, he has promised me that he's going to get me to the end, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that he's going to finish the work that he started in me and so I know that I am an overcomer. That whatever it is that Satan is bringing against me, I declare that I am an overcomer, not because I have it all together, but because I am connected to the one who has overcome everything, whose name is above every other name. I am safe and secure in the kingdom of God no matter what happens. Come what may, I am safe and secure. Nothing will separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. God is for me. Who can be against me? That is my testimony. That is our testimony. And we're going to stand and we're going to declare to the glory of Jesus the name that is above every other name. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you have given us the victory. Lord, yes, there's a battle. Yes, there's a war. Yes, there are hard things. But Lord, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. And so, Lord, we declare that you are in us. And so, God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that wherever we're oppressed, wherever we're undergoing spiritual warfare, wherever we're, we're in chains or blindfolded, God, I pray that you would set us free. Lord, I just use the mighty name of Jesus. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus that every chain will be broken, that every prisoner will be set free. God, we declare your truth 
We declare your life. And God, we pray that we as individuals would rise up for our families, for our church, for our community. And Lord Jesus, we can't wait until that day comes when you, when you return and, and you make everything new and you take the devil and you throw him into the lake of fire. But God, until that day, until that moment, may we occupy until you come. God, may we see the kingdom of heaven break through. May we take back ground from the enemy as we use the weapons that you've given us. In Jesus' mighty name. And listen, if you're here right now, if you're watching or if you're here in the room, and you have not given your life to Jesus, let me tell you, there are a lot of really good reasons to give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus because he loves you. Give your life to Jesus because he's going to get you through. He's going to, you know, make your life better. Give your life to Jesus because then you get to live with Jesus forever in his kingdom. You don't have to be afraid of death. But give your life to Jesus because you've got an enemy who wants to hurt you, who comes to rob, kill, and destroy and the only way that we can be safe is by with big brother Jesus. So give your life to Jesus so Jesus can be your protector. So you can use the mighty name of Jesus for protection for you and your loved ones. And so if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, I want to pray for you, okay? And just what you can do is you can say this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it quietly in your heart. But say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I confess all of my sins to you. I ask you to forgive each one. Come and live, live within me by the power of your Holy Spirit. I accept your free gift of salvation. Teach me how to use your name. Teach me how to resist the devil. Show me how to glorify you because that's what I want my life to be about now. Keep your eyes closed, but if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer, asking Jesus to come into your life. Okay, awesome. Awesome. I'm going to ask those of you in the room, what you can do is you can use your phone and you can use the QR code on the back of the chair where it says, follow Jesus, and it'll pop up on your phone. Or you can, uh, you can text follow to 201-584-7188. Those of you who are watching the live stream, if you prayed to accept Jesus, do that. And, and we'll reach out to you this week and we'll say, how can we pray for you? You know, what's going on in your life? How can we support you? Because that's such an incredible decision. Uh, we're going to have a time of ministry. So come on, we've got, we got some prayer team people over here. Let's get some more like prayer folks kind of over there ready to pray. And, uh, and, and let's just stand for a moment. Let's stand together. And I just, you know what, whatever your prayer needs are, let somebody pray for you. But especially if, if you're aware that you're undergoing maybe the day of evil right now, maybe you've got some challenges, you've got some things that are going on. Maybe this is the time, the opportune time that Satan was looking for to come against you. Let somebody stand with you using the mighty name of Jesus, declaring his truth, praying for you that, that, that this, this temptation, this, this battle, this season would come to an end. That this weapon formed against you will not prosper, as the Bible says. All right, so whatever your needs are, we'd love to pray for you. If you want prayer, you can just go right over there. Someone will pray for you. Keep your masks on, and, uh, and let's just see God break every chain and set us free. All right, God bless you guys. Sorry I went a little bit longer. Have a wonderful week.